sweat technique. Welcome back to the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5. Killer Bees were also known as Africanized Bees. And we all know there's nothing Africanized about these two guys. It's Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. He's Blank on Branham. Uh, Brian McDonald in for Joe George today because uh, Joe's taken off the next four days. Why? Why did he do that? Wrong answers only. 713-780-3776. Junior says that Joe is at a break dancing competition. Uh, he Does he have the frame to break dance? Uh, I'm not going to. No. No, I don't think I don't he think, does. I think he. Yeah, I don't think he has the frame to to break dance. Four six two four says that Joe went to Chicago to start a GoFundMe to keep Justin Fields. Huh. I don't know if I don't know if Joe's on the Fields uh, bandwagon. I think he might be on the Caleb he Williams. He was, and then he wasn't, and then he yeah, was, he, and now I think he isn't. He can't make up his mind. He cannot. Because remember, he jumped <laughs> off the bandwagon on the Bears and looked for a new team. Then he was on. Then he was, now he's back on again. Yeah, he can't. He can't figure out what he's doing in life. Uh, seven nine seven six says that Joe is hunting for dead bodies with Spencer. Uh, I hope that Joe can put up with all of his lies. Three zero six two. Joe is casting his vote for the baseball Hall of Fame. See, that's the issue: is that you have voters that are similar to Joe that are voting on baseball players getting into the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame or the Pro Baseball Hall of Fame. Fact, it's not good. I think Joe actually, from what I heard too, I thought he was exploring the opportunity of starting a flash dance hot yoga class. Huh. Yeah. Complete with leg warmers. Yeah, that would be uh, that'd be quite the sign. That'd be quite the uh, quite the scene, I should say. He could get the, right, so, he could get the singlet from Stutes. Oof, that'd be awful. Stephen Nelson, thirty-one next season. Where at you? Where are you with uh, bringing Stephen Nelson? It was been good. Like he, he had has. a raise before the year. Like he was a little bit. He was taking a shot at Casario, but then they gave him the raise. He worked hard. He was a captain. Uh, was was good. Was solid. Thirty-one next year. Where are you at with uh, Stephen Nelson? Yeah, I think you can find another Stevie Nelson. I think that just what we saw with the whole putting it on social media, taking shots at Casario, uh, not happy when he didn't get the deal. And then, look, they, they gave him a deal they really didn't have to give him. But I think that he's going to be a stickler for money. And if he's going to be a stickler for money at this point in his career, you probably are going to be able to find another Stevie Nelson that's a little younger, maybe a little better, and probably less expensive than what he's trying to get. And even if it's like a, a push on the money, I think there's going to be corners out there that are younger and maybe more athletic at this point in his career that I think you can move on from Stevie Nelson. This might be something you look for in the draft because I think that corners are difficult to find in free agency, and it might be a thing where you split the difference. Like once Steven Nelson walks out the door, maybe you try to sign a veteran stopgap on a short-term deal for cheaper money where you also try to draft the guy who's going to be the future of the position. So I, I tend to agree with you on the Steven Nelson aspect of it. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six triple zero two says signing a true number one receiver like Mike Evans would be great. Um, I, that to me is too costly. And because Stroud is really good at elevating his targets, yeah. like give me a good bargain tight end. That's, that's similar to Schultz. Like, that's fine. Like, so that's, that's a wash. That's an equal. I like where Nico's at. I like where Tank's going to be. I want to add a third receiver to that trio, but I don't need to be shopping at the top of the free agent market for it. No, I'm with you. I'm with you because of the fact that Tank came on so quickly that Nico finally had the season we were all hoping for from the time that he was drafted and that the two of them looked like they could be a really dynamic pair uh, in the wide receiver room. And you've got the possibility that, you know, whether it's Hutchinson's really developing into something or Mechie, now he can focus on football again, uses the offseason to really get back to where he was at Alabama. 
uh, and he could step up. But, you know, I think they'll move on from Woods. I think that there's the possibility for sure that they're going to – and I think Noel Brown's probably gone too. So I think you could add one or two. But I, I, I'm with, I, I think there's a lot of talented receivers in the draft. I think that there's a lot of possibilities to add to the room without having to go spend 20-plus million dollars to try and get a veteran wide receiver on – even if it's Mike Evans on a three-year deal – uh, as opposed to a T. Higgins and whatever deal he's looking to get, I, I just feel like there's an, you have enough in the room now, based on what we know now from as opposed to when the season started, that you don't have to go get a, a big money wide receiver. Blake Cashman was uh, really good this year, really good for the Texans. Took the step up. I saw some uh, interviews from him after, uh, like, whenever they had the final mm-hmm. locker room availability, and he was he's, he's very honest. Like, yeah, I didn't expect to play this much. D'Amico did a good job with me uh, because I played well. I had a lot of productivity. I would love to be back here, but there's the business aspect of it as well. Like Cashman, to me, certainly overplayed what we thought he would like make in mm-hmm. this offseason. And I'm curious for a guy that they maybe got the most out of if they're willing to pay a guy that's really, really close to his ceiling as a player, especially when he's 27 years old. See, I think system, we always talk about this, especially offensively, but I think system matters in a, in a case of like Cashman. It was just the perfect storm with D'Amico, the system, and the fact that his ability to cover and his ability to be physical uh, turned out to be a guy that, you know, with opportunities that opened up for him that he took full advantage of. I'd love to have him back. But if that's his mentality and he's trying to think about cashing in, then I think you can probably go and try and find another Blake Cashman. Now, you know, you did this a year ago and you found some guys, Perryman and some guys that came in that were pretty good. But I think you're looking to go a little bit above that. And I think that Cashman played extremely well. But I think a lot of it was the fit with the system. So if he tries to price himself out to where you feel like that's a stretch for what he brings to the table, then you go out on the free agency market. And I think there are other guys like him that you could find. But if I had my druthers, I I, I would hope he'd come back because I think he's the perfect fit for the way D'Amico likes to play. Yeah, I'm a uh, I'm a fan of Cashman too, but it, I feel like he's playing really, really close to his ceiling. And if he's trying to get top dollar for that ceiling, then you probably have to to look in a different direction. If you can bring him back on a on a fairly team friendly deal, I, I'm all for that. Same thing with with Devin Singletary. Devin Singletary had a really good year. He, he came here to be the the backup for Damian Pierce. It was way better than Damian Pierce in this scheme and in this system. His salary this year was under three million dollars. Mm-hmm. If you can get Singletary at three million or cheaper, it's it's a slam dunk automatic no doubt about it uh, because he did have a good year now you might still be looking to upgrade at the position but a backup at three million dollars is what he already was so I'm I'm all for signing Singletary okay. uh, sticking him around now if he starts wanting upwards of five million dollars eh, I don't know okay you read my mind a little bit but here's what I was going to throw at you because I want him back and you and I've had this conversation previously before we knew just how primary he was going to be in the backfield and I thought that they would bring him back. I thought he would be good to bring back. But here's the two scenarios, right? You can get him back. Would you, are you willing to go five? Not over five, but are you willing to go five to bring him back? Is and he if your you, starter? Well, that remains to be seen based on what they do in the draft, I would say. So or, if, it's, if, it's a, if it's a draft guy, I'm, I'm willing to go to five. If, if it's a draft guy, I'm willing to go to five. If, if you're trying to sign another running back in free agency, too, like a lot of fans right now, and look, look, it's I don't hate the idea. Like I'm usually not pro-pay running back that's around mm-hmm. 30 years old, but if they had Saquon Barkley on a 
$20 million two-year deal. I ain't going to be mad about that. You kidding me? I think that would be a lot of fun, and I think it would make opposing defenses terrified. Now, it's not like what I personally would do, like not my primary decision. I, I, I don't know if it'll be Casario's or D'Amico's. Maybe it will be. Like San Francisco spin on Christian McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. Like, will D'Amico have that same mindset? I don't know. Uh, so I'm not saying it's like fan fiction, but a lot of fans have the idea of a Saquon Barkley, a Josh Jacobs. So if you're going to go that route, I can't spend $5 million on the backup of Singletary, but if you're going to go Singletary and then like a third round running back, maybe that third round running back beats out Singletary. Okay, that's fine because you're not you're not really you know you're not spending those finances. You have a five million deal, a five million dollar deal, and you have a rookie deal. I think you can live with that. See, here's here's what I was going to say. You either go five mil, or you go two for seven or two for eight. If he wants an extra year, because either way, I think he's earned he, he's earned the the right to come back. I, I think that he did enough when systematically he was obviously a better fit than Damian Pierce, no matter how m- good Pierce looked in his rookie year. And now Pierce is probably just going to be a special teamer and a, and, and probably your third running back. So I, I definitely agree with you that they have to bring they, they have to find two guys at running back next year. I just think Singletary should be one of those guys unless he gets an offer that he can't refuse that the Texans aren't interested in paying. And that would be upwards of five. But if it's paying him five. If he takes a one-year deal, I'm all in. If he needs two years, then I'll go eight-ish. But I, I think that I, I think that he was a really, really good fit. In, in, and I'm with you. I, I just in terms of paying running back a lot of money, I don't think that Josh Jacobs is the kind of guy that fits this system. I think he's really bulky and he's really between the tackles. I no, think, he can he can catch out of the backfield. He, he, he can. can he can do some things in the passing game. I think Barkley worries me health wise, but Barkley has the athleticism and he can catch too. Far more athletic than Jacobs. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, but. That's a lot of money. Yeah, it is. Uh, 8807 says Spotrack has Singletary at three years, $13 million. I don't like the third year. <laughs> like yeah, the that's third big, year, too. The yep. third, and, it, and if I don't like that as well. That's uh, why I gave it, you two. I, I, if you go two at eight, I'm good. But if yeah, you're two gonna, at eight would be all right, but I, that to me means you're not signing another free agent running back. It depends on the price, right? You could find another uh, veteran. I, think, re- I don't think you do that. I, don't, I think you would go rookie at that point to, to finish out the the running back room. And, now and, you're looking at spending four million at with Singletary, and then if you're going like a Barkley type, you're looking at twelve. No, no, I'm not going top of the market though. I, I'm going. Oh, you're looking for a fringe guy. Yeah, yeah, oh, another you. veteran yeah, you fringe can do guy. That. Yeah, yeah, you can do that. The this guy also says that Nelson is at on Spotrax projected three for thirty. That the th- third year for a thirty one year old. A lot on three. Me. Yep. Yeah, this guy says Singletary and Pollard. That might be too high at the market to pair with those guys. I mean, it'd be good. Yeah. That's, eh, I think Pollard's going to make a significant amount of money. 9271, I'm out on Grenard. I, I am I am paying him top dollar for – I don't know what he meant to say here. I think he meant to say I'm not paying him top dollar for a player who's hurt uh, every year, and I don't see more than – and then that's where it finished. So, like, that's not a complete thought. I think he says he doesn't want to pay Grenard because he's injury prone, um, which I agree with. I would, I would franchise tag him at most. Uh, what about Eckler instead of Barkley? Um, boy, I'll tell you what, but he's got some miles on the tires too. You talk about the ultimate guy, I think in his heyday, obviously with his ability to catch the football and, and be a dynamic runner, both between the tackles and getting to the outside. I think he's the perfect fit systematically for this team if he's in his heyday, but I think he's all indications are he's looking for three plus and he's looking for 10 plus a year too. I, I just don't think that they're at a point in time right now. And I don't trust how much he still got left on the tires either. Yeah, that's what worries me too. This, he was really bad this year, uh, was really good two years ago. So it's one of those things that, like, if he 
if you can get them like a if you can get them on a prove it deal, like sign me up. Right. If you can but, get them on a six million, seven million prove it deal, which I doubt. You're right, I doubt that. But I don't know how much the market's going to be there for Eckler, who had a really bad season. So I would be. I mean, I'm I'm intrigued. I, I would be having that conversation with the agent. I think you're right that 95 percent chance that he's going to be demanding too much. But I'm at least having that conversation with a five percent chance that I can get him on a prove it one year deal. See, I, I think that that he's one of those guys, unlike some of the guys we've talked about that bet on themselves and won. He bet on himself and lost. So if you can get a Nick Casario deal like he's gotten with a one year on Schultz and and, and Eckler's willing to give you, you know, a one year eight. One year eight. I, I'm like, yeah, for one year to prove it again and with the versatility he brings to to the offense, I might consider that. Yeah, he he's caught a hundred passes out of the backfield a couple years ago too. Zero zero four six are we completely out on Pierce? Uh I am. Uh, he can be on the team, but I, I don't see him being a significant factor. And then this guy says Gus Edwards, Jarek McKinnon are free agents. I, I'm not interested in either one. Neither. No, I, I'm with you on that. Uh, but I think from the standpoint of Pierce, from what you're paying him and where you got him, and he showed you what he can do in the return game if you need him, you give him the offseason and you say, hey, look, this is what we expect of our running backs, and this is how we need running backs to to fit in. And if you can kind of change your style a little bit, and maybe it means you slim down a little bit too, so you got you hit the holes and and you got a little more shiftiness, so be it. But other than that, he's he's too good of a deal right now to just to just say you're going to cut. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN HRP listener line seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. So Dana Brown said he might not be done. They had the Josh Hader press conference yesterday. Said that he might still be looking for one more move to round out this team. What is that one move, and who could be some names in the mix for that conversation? Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN ninety seven five and ESPN ninety two five. It's basketball season. We were talking earlier about how the uh, the NBA's halfway through their year. Uh, Rockets have been better. That's good. We know that on the college side of things, Houston top five team. That's awesome to see. Uh, you probably have kids playing some high school ball, middle school ball, AAU. They're probably pl- playing year round. They probably want a goal, right? Well, if they want a goal, you should be buying at the top of the market. You should be giving them a goal from Pro Dunk Hoops. Not these silly big box store goals that break, backboards jacked up, the rim's broken, they're trying to give it away in a couple of years. No, get a goal from Pro Dunk. They make the highest quality basketball goals you'll find. Tempered glass backboard, breakaway rim, stainless steel hardware. It's height adjustable too. And with the new lightning adjust feature, which is on their new goal Thor, you can raise and lower goals with a drill and you can do this from 5 to 10 feet in 10 seconds. How, how easy is that? It's fun to do too, but they idiot proof it for people like me. Yeah, just put the drill inside of Thor raise it to anywhere from 5 to 10 feet in less than 10 seconds. It's lightning fast with their lightning adjust on Thor. And their accessories are next level too. Look, we understand that you work. Kids have school. Only time to to shoot some hoops is at night. Well, they have LED light kits to take care of that. Backstop nets. You don't have to chase the basketball around, roll, you know, run around chasing after it. No, backstop nets make it easy. Pull pad lettering to customize your goal and lots, lots more. You can order all of this online. You can also order the professional installation online. You're not great with the ladder. You're not great with the level. You're you're unsure if you're going to be able to make this straight. Well, don't worry about that. Allow the pros from ProDunk to professionally install your goal at the perfect height. 
perfectly straight. You don't install. Let the pros at ProDunk do all of the hard work for you. Call now, 281-351-9822, and visit ProDunk.com. That's ProDunk.com. Razor Blood Commentary, delivered with a special purpose. What's happening to my special purpose? It's the Killer Bees, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5. said, my bad, Killer Bees. I received a call before I could finish and proofread my text. That was my point. Well, good. Glad I figured it out off of that broken text message you sent. Just kidding. Uh, 713-780-ESPN. He's Blake. I'm Branham. Brian McDonald behind the glass. No, uh, no Joe George today. No Joe George on Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. Where could Joe George be? Where is Joe George? Wrong answers only the rest of the week. 2906 says that Joe is in an eating contest. If Joe was in an eating contest, maybe he is. I don't know. He didn't tell us what he was doing. Right. Um, what would he be eating? What would be the contest that Joe George would most likely uh, be in? Deep dish pizza. Yeah, I was going to go something Chicago, too. Yep. So that's a good call. That would be a miserable thing to be in an eating contest for, though. Oh. Like, could you imagine how full you would get and how quickly you Yeah, I was just going to say, full? the gut bomb and then the after effects about an hour or two later would could be devastating. Yeah, that wouldn't be uh, that wouldn't be pleasant. And you're probably going to eat faster than you get full. So it's going to hit you fast. You're going to get bloated. It's going to be awful. Uh, no good. All what? right, so wrong answers only. Where is Joe? 713-780-3776. The... Press conference for Josh Hader was yesterday, which was cool. Uh, he's an Astro. He didn't really. He didn't say he's going to be the closer. Uh, they didn't deny it. They didn't confirm it. I guess we're just going to have to wait and see until opening day. I, I kind of get the feeling he's going to be the closer, uh, just based on the fact that they had to call Presley and you know get his input. Uh, the fact that it's nineteen million dollars. Like, if you would assign him to be your setup man, I don't think that you're like calling Presley to get some sort of reaffirmation. No, uh, yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I think that just listening to the comments and then seeing what Dana had said leading into it and even Espada and the conversations with Presley, you know, best-case scenario for Presley is it's closer by committee and and, and kind of to what Hader was saying during the press conference about, look, it's just about winning baseball games and we're all capable. And it was a little bit surprising to me that Abreu's name didn't come up a little bit more too because – you know, obviously I've been critical of him in the past, but I've been impressed what he's done the last couple of years. And you've said, you know, accurately that he, he's probably the closer of the future. This might alter it a little bit because of the five years on the mm-hmm. on the deal. But I think that when you think about options and the leverage of situations and lefty and righty and, you know, just the the ability to pinpoint pitches that Presley probably has more than the other two guys, you have so many options that, yeah, maybe – it's going to matter in terms of like all-star selection and save numbers. But overall, it's such an unbelievably luxurious position to be in. If you're a spotter in this team, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I get, I, I get it that there's so everybody's going to want a definitive answer, but you don't really have to, because you could just, you know, we even talked about how Presley can't go back to back days and he doesn't like to pitch as frequently as other closers. You have the option with three lights out, shut down guys. I, I, I I got the same vibe you did. It's it's going to be hater, but you don't have yeah. to make a decision. 
No, you don't. You don't have to. It's it's a luxury. Like you, you have you have three guys for the last nine outs that are really good. However, you deploy them, like in terms of winning, I don't think it matters. It matters way more for like the psychology of the player uh, than it does for team success. Eight zero eight nine is Presley trade bait. No, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Uh, the The reason they signed Hater was to add to this bullpen to make it strong. Uh, they didn't add one guy to take away another because now you're right back into the same hole of not having a bullpen. Like yeah. you you still have holes in the bullpen. It's just they're the lower leverage guys and not the high leverage guys. But what was what was I mean, interesting? And you, you were, go ahead. No, I was just going to say the, the the thing that you think about it was that a text message. Whoever sent that in, think about what we were talking about before the hater signing. We were talking about needing two bullpen arms. It was one, and then the wishful thinking was probably yeah. two because you knew that with the guys you were losing and the guys that they were trying to consider internally, you'd be much better off trying to get two veterans. And so you got one, and you got them at a way bigger price than you thought that they were going to pay. But that doesn't mean that it, all the whole all is forgotten now, and all holes are fixed. Yeah, I mean, you still have the you still have some you have like three or four spots to fill. Now the good news is that they're the low leverage things, and you don't feel nearly as bad about it because you have maybe the best back end of the bullpen in all of Major League Baseball. Uh, and Dana Brown was asked about it yesterday too. Do you think that you might still sign an arm to add to some of the middle relief as opposed to the back end? He's like, no, we have some internal options. Uh, so it looks like they'll go internal with what they have for the other three spots ish, which is fine because I mean those are low leverage, those are fifth <laughs> inning, whatever. You're looking to fill those innings. And mop up those innings more than like prevent like preserving a lead well the other thing too is is regardless of what you get or don't get out of Whitley or some of the other guys that they want to be that they want to take into consideration you know even a guy like Seth Martinez look he, he had a couple of hiccups against the Yankees but overall in mop-up duty whether it was mopping up a big lead or eating up two or three innings or you know going into the second extra inning and soaking up innings there's a guy that has value on the team that Dusty found was very reliable Unlike Joel, the softball pitcher, and you know, and what was the other guy that I couldn't stand, uh, Mashinsky, you, you got at least one guy that could come back as a mop up guy and a multiple innings guy, up big, down big, or in extra innings. And Seth Martinez, that's proven he can get guys out on the big league level, so that you, you've got one guy there that you at least know you can feel comfortable having on the roster, as opposed to trying to put in. You know, uh, Aragetti or or Whitley or whoever you want to consider in the pen that really you're not feeling very comfortable about. He's proven he can do it a little bit. Yeah. Um, 2906, what other what position the pitcher should the Astros go after? 3667, Joke Myers is not the answer. That's mean. He said, we need an outfielder. Jordan is too fragile. I, I've been on this, we've been on this campaign yep. for a while, that the Astros need to be uh, signing an outfielder this offseason, even if he's a backup, even if he's depth, even if it's uh, even if you're going with Chaz in left, Jake in center, Tucker in right, you need that fifth outfielder i'm saying fifth because jordan's kind of technically an outfielder uh just in case one if jake stinks offensively and he can't handle the day-to-day job uh secondly if you want platoon options third if you just want good depth because right now you're looking at a 4a player that would be your fifth outfielder so there was a quote that came out from the press conference you pointed it out brian mctaggart tweeted it uh from dana brown like what what else can be done he said if we could somehow get a left-handed bat preferably an outfielder with some speed that type of package will pounce on it. This sounds good because like what the Astros have right now in the outfield with Chaz and Jake, they're right-handed hitters that hit lefties well. Ch- Chaz can kind of hit both sides where Jake didn't hit righties at all last year. So hey, add a left-handed bat that can hit righties and you got yourself a little platoon situation that Joe Espada, a progressive manager, can really, you know, do some uh, do some good things with. So Michael Schwab, he put out a bunch of he put out the list of like all the free agents out there. 
which includes lefties, switch hitters, righties, and I narrowed it down to what Dana Brown said. And I came up with seven names that are still in free agency that could be options for the Astros based on what Dana Brown said. David Dahl, who is a former top prospect, has been injured basically his entire career, does have one all-star game. Local guy, right? I don't know if he is or not. I think he is. Maybe. Yeah, I think he is. I don't know where he's from. Maybe you're right on that. But he's a guy with a high ceiling. He he has speed. He can play all three outfield positions, and he can hit when he's healthy. The other one, Aaron Hicks, who's kind of long in the tooth but did okay in Baltimore, not really speedy anymore, can't really play center field anymore. But another guy that, that fits the mold here, Travis Jankowski might be my favorite one, was with the Rangers last year. He's hard to strike out. He walks a lot. He touches the baseball with his bat. He has no power, excellent speed, can play all three defensive outfield positions. I like him. Tony Kemp, he kind of stinks now, but he's a fan favorite, and he bats left-handed. So I included him. Austin Meadows, who really, really talented. Now he's got anxiety issues, and people question if he ever wants to play baseball again. So, like, you would have to figure that out. But if he does, like, super cheap option that has the chance to go boom. Tyler Naquin, who's a local guy, Klein Collins, Texas A&M. Eh, not mm. He hasn't really done much the last couple of years. And then Ramel Tapia, who came up with the Rockies, was a high prospect there for a while. It's kind of fizzled. But excellent speed, a lefty that actually hits righties pretty well. So those are seven guys that I came up with. My favorites are Jankowski. I like the idea of Dawes as a chance to kind of like have a, you know, coming off injury to have a crazy year type of thing. I think the upside's there, but he's just always injury riddled. And then Tapia's speed intrigues me as a backup outfielder too. Yeah, uh and Dahl, Dahl actually ha- had a lot of tools. We interviewed him. I, I think we had him on the show during Super Bowl too. And maybe he didn't. Maybe he's not from here, but I think he lives here now and he likes Houston. But I, but you know what? I was looking for a sexier name, a bigger name. But I think that yeah. anybody's better than Jake Myers at this point. You know how I feel about Jake, and I just feel like Jake is better suited to be your fourth outfielder and pinch runner than he is to be a starting center fielder in Major League Baseball based on what I've seen the last year or two. So I would like to, them to go in another direction. But, yeah, I mean, if not, Jankowski seems like a guy that could be a good fit. I, I, I just I like the fact, no matter what, that Dana is open to looking, and Dana would like to add because that's more than we've heard in the past, and that's why it raised an eyebrow with me when I read the quote going, hey, wait a minute now. I mean, as long as you've already shown your, your hand that you're going over the tax, you're not afraid to do that. What's a couple more mil if you can add to the depth of your offense? Yeah, maybe a couple more mil, but not like Cody Bellinger money. I don't even think like Jock Peterson money. I I think that you're looking for a fourth, fifth outfielder. At best case scenario, you're looking for a platoon option with Jake Myers, which could help a lot because Jake's good against lefties. Like Jake hits lefties well. Jake should be a starter at the big league level against left-handed pitching. Should he be against righties? He's not going to hit anything. He's going to play fine defensively, but he's not going to hit. So if you can find a left-handed bat, that can hit righties pretty well, or even if it's a fringe guy, even if it's Jankowski, but he's hitting 280, 290 against righties, uh, then it, it's going to help your team tremendously. It's so Jankowski. I love that Dana Brown said that, and I hope he actually comes through with the words that he said. Jankowski, aside from playing for the Rangers, I just remember that he had some big hits when the Astros played the yeah. Rangers, that you know he was a guy that was tough-nosed, hard-nosed, good base runner, good outfielder. I'm fine with all of that. He doesn't have much of an arm, but he does have really good range, and he's super fast. And he, he's to me, he's like the outfield version of Mauricio Dubon, where he's not going to hit for much power. He'll slap one in the gap every now and then, but he's hard to punch out, and he probably even walks a little bit more than Dubon. So, like, it's an outfield, outfield version of Dubon a bit. So those are, the, those are the names that I would expect Dana Brown to at least uh, 
at least to try to do a little prep on and maybe bring in one of mm-hmm. those before pitchers and catchers report. All right, 713-780-ESPN, HRMP listener line. Ta- time now to cash it or trash it. What are the hot takes? What are the re- overreactions that we have that we're going to sell to you guys to cash or trash? What do you have? 713-780-3776. Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. <laughs> Prepare for overreaction on my mark. It's that time of the week where overreactions are not only welcome, they're celebrated. They say Muhammad Ali was the greatest of all time, but he never fought Cassius Clay. It's cash him or trash him with the Killer Bees. This is your hot take. Hmm. Give us a hot spoonful of your opinion. Cash them or trash them with the bees. What do you want us to cash or trash? 713-780-ESPN. We'll have ours as well. David Dahl apparently played at San Jack. According to oh, okay. Zero six two. So there's the tie. Uh, yeah, I didn't know that. That's pretty cool. I wonder if he played for... Uh, blanking on the guy's name. All right, what are, you, uh, what are you cashing or trashing for us here first, Blankers? I think that now that we've seen Jim Crane go over the luxury tax, I'm going to say that even with the names that you threw out there, cash it or trash it, that the Astros have one more in their back pocket, one more free agent signing to make that people aren't going to see coming that show just how committed he is to 2024. Let's put some qualifiers on that. Like, it would have to be a big leaguer, I'm assuming? Correct, a veteran. Okay, and then put a price tag on it. Uh, Seven to ten. Okay, I think it's going to be under that. I think they're going to sign one of these outfielders like Joey Gallo, Schwab just pointed it out to me. Joey Gallo signed that he signed with the Nats five million one year. Like I think it's gonna be in that price range. I think it's I think it's gonna be a five million dollar one year left-handed bat that has a chance to be a platoon option with Jake Myers. So I'll, I'll trash it. I'll okay. trash it. Okay. But close. Like I mean, I'm not that far off. Yeah, I just feel like as much as we didn't see the hater deal coming, I, I just feel like they they are ready to shock everybody one more time. I'm actually yeah, going to cash cool. it. Uh, I, I, this is going to be probably my second one, but I don't think we're going to get to it. I actually think they still go out and make a fairly significant move. I don't think Jim Crane goes over the luxuries tax and stays there and it actually counts on like 2020 for the first time ever to then just play it safe after that. I think this is a move to maximize the window they have while Alex Bregman and Altuve and Tucker and Fromber and Verlander and the list goes on and on are still under contract. So I see this as an opportunity to, you know, why stop there? If you're going to make the most of it and pay the luxury tax, you might as well go all in and make another big move. Well, you're taxed on every dollar you go over, correct? I don't know the exact ins and outs. I I believe you're taxed on every dollar you go over it. So you're still getting taxed on the dollar you go over. So it still increase it. Like it would still increase the burden. Oh, Uh, no, I'm not saying it wouldn't. I'm just saying this is if, if he's willing to pay the luxury tax for the first time, in a meaningful yeah. way, then why not go ahead and, and go all in? What name do you like? Do you have a name that, you, that jumps out to you? Uh, if I was, if, if this was my segment here, is, or my take here, uh, if we had time for the second segment, I was Just actually... Just go for it. Yeah, no, I was going to say Jordan Montgomery. <laughs> I know they haven't been linked oh. to him in any sort of way, uh, but after seeing him in the ALCS and what he did for the Rangers... I think that would be a way to not only strengthen the team, because you don't know when you get back Luis Garcia or McCullers or, or if Javier is going to rebound or how even Frommer is going to rebound. So it would not only be a way to strengthen your team, but also take away from your biggest competition in the division. I would love it to be Jorge Soler. I'm gonna, I would love either one of those. <laughs> I would love either one of those, but I'm going to trash them. Um, 
the Montgomery idea is intriguing because you're adding a top three starting pitcher to your team, which would be great. I think the I think they feel good about their rotation though. I think like so Justin too. Justin Verlander, like you're going to count on. He might not be as good as he was last couple of years, obviously, but you're going to count on him to at least throw 160 innings. Fromber, like you hope that it's first half Fromber. Christian Javier, you hope that it's first half Javier. Hunter Brown, you hope it's first half Hunter Brown. But those are four guys that have to be in the rotation. You still have after that J.P. Francozzi or Kidi, and then you have reinforcements on the way. You can't guarantee that they'll be back, but it, it, you just, expect it just to be feels back. like repeating last year's mistake, where we went into the season thinking, "Oh, well, we don't need Verlander because the Astros have six starters," and then half of them get taken out in the first few weeks of the season, that, okay. and you're in your you're you're reaching for options for the rest of the season. The bigger question then would be batter arm, because I think that they've spent all they're going to spend on pitching, and I think that if they do anything, they'll bring a bat in. Yeah, I think they will bring a bat in. I just don't think it's going to be at seven million or more. I think it's going to be under uh, seven million. And like, I hear where you're coming from, uh, Brian, on that. It's just that's that's a lot of money. It is a lot of money. No, it it would require Jim Crane to go to a level he's never been to before. But I just, I mean, who among us thought he was going to sign, you know, a relief pitcher to the the highest uh, present-day contract in baseball that. history. So it's we're already injury, well right? beyond the normal realms of what Jim Crane is has been willing to do. I just think take this as a sign as he's possibly willing to go even further. Yeah, that is true. He hasn't. He's never actually paid the luxury tax. He's never actually done that. Now, was it a reaction to Graveman? Maybe, would, maybe to sign a Montgomery, they would need uh, Javier to get hurt or something like <laughs> not that. Okay, let's not. For that. Let's not. Yeah, yeah, let's, let's, let's not. not wish for let's that. not go to that level. I'm just saying. I think that's what he was I'm saying. just saying. Let's not even con- conversate about that. Oh, don't be a baby. I'm not being um, a baby. I just don't want to think about that kind of injury baby. for a team that needs the, the starting pitchers that are healthy. I don't believe in jinxes. Um, Keith Lee, who does a lot of these food reviews and stuff, he, he listed his top food cities in the country. I disagree with him. He listed Houston as the number two food city in the U.S. I think that Houston's the number one food city in the U.S., cash it or trash. Who was number one? New yeah, Orleans? Who, who was number New one? New Orleans was number one. Yeah. Um, well, I sure do like the food here, too. But I, yeah, I, 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 I'm going to trash I that. I, I mean, I'm going to cash that. You are right. It is Houston. People are going to throw. I saw people try to throw New York in some of these things and everything like that. No, I, I firmly believe with the variety of the different, all the different cuisine you can get here, too. I'll take Houston as number one. Yeah, I, w- I would also cash it because uh, I, I, other than a great Italian food, I think a lot of native or, or, or people of Italian heritage would tell you there's not a lot of great Italian food here, but basically everything else you could want with barbecue and Tex Mex, uh, you know, going all, all different types of cuisines all over the world. You can get great uh, restaurants there that serve those types of dishes. Yeah, I See, think, I think. Go ahead, Jeremy. Well, I think New Orleans is fantastic. New Orleans is fantastic, but they kind of, like, it's one or two cuisines in New Orleans. Right. Like, one or two cuisines that are fantastic, and they do one or two of those cuisines better than anybody. But after about two weeks, it's like, eh, I want something else. I want something more. I think Houston, with their versatility and their diverseness across the board, their diversity, are far better than any other city in the entire country. Yeah, like, I wouldn't want to go to New Orleans and get, obviously, Tex-Mex or barbecue. Nope. I'd, I'd want to go there to get seafood and beignets, but after that, it's kind of outside of their uh, Cajun food, obviously. Yeah, I I mix Cajun food in with the seafood, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I mean, look, and and I think you're absolutely onto something, too, with the Italian, though. I think if any any specific cuisine that Houston struggles a little bit, it is from pizza 
to a lot of really, really legit, authentic Italian food. All right, BMAC, what do you got? So, uh, sticking with the Astros here, uh, similar conversation. And we've had this conversation. You guys have had this conversation. All Astros fans have had this conversation since the news that Josh Hader was signed by the Astros to that massive contract about what the roles would be for Josh Hader and Brian Abreu and, of course, Ryan Presley. And I I honestly think, obviously, I believe Josh Hader will be the closer nine times out of ten. There could be a situation where... You know, if, if some lefties are coming up in the eighth inning where they use Hater in that inning and things switch around where he's not the closer on that specific day. But my cash to trash it is this year, because I believe for the age, for the durability concerns, and because I think they want this pitcher to have one specific role, I actually believe you're going to see Brian Abreu with more saves this year than Ryan Presley because they're going to want to lock Ryan Presley into you're the eighth inning guy unless Hayter needs to make the switch because the lefties and Brian Abreu when Hayter needs the day off is going to, or Brian, yeah, Brian Abreu when Hayter needs the day off is going to be the guy that actually steps into the save role. I'm going to trash this simply because as part of the conversations that they have had, I I, I just got to believe that the thinking is when it's not Hater, it's still going to be Presley, especially if you want to keep everything on the up and up, if you have aspirations of bringing him back after his contract expires. But I think overall, it's an easier conversation to have if you say, hey, we're bringing in Josh Hader, and he's legitimately one of the best closers in the world. So he's going to be in the mix. But if you say he he was he would fall to the third guy on the on the pecking order in the bullpen, I think that would be an issue. I just don't see it. No, but that's not what you're saying, though, right, Brian? Like you're no, saying that. I'm not, that yeah, I'm not number, saying, yeah, you're saying falling. he's your number two. He's your eighth inning. He's right. your setup guy. Right. But in a way to keep him in that role, when Hater needs a day off, instead of Presley moving back to the ninth, you just allow Presley to pitch the ninth, or you let a break pitch the ninth. Stay in the either way, I, yeah. either way, I just don't, I just don't think that, I just don't see it. I think that they're going to yeah. give Presley that opportunity. I just see. Yeah, with, I think with, it's, with the concerns that Pre- they've had with Presley, with you know, obviously back-to-back days or two out of three days, uh, obviously Brian Abreu, I think, has proven to be more, uh, obviously he's younger and proven to be more durable. I just think it makes sense to keep Brian Presley locked into an eighth-inning role as your number two guy when Hayter needs the day off. Then Brian Abreu moves into that ninth inning save role. The only time I would see Presley working into the ninth inning save role is if in a situation where Hayter is attacking uh, the left-handers in an earlier situation in the game. Yeah, I think it's well thought out, and I think it's I think it's possible. I, I really do. But I, I think that they're going to give the bone to Presley so he can still pick up a few saves and relievers like saves. So I'm going to trash it, but I think it's I think it's on the table. And they did talk a lot in that press conference yesterday about roles and how important roles are. And they have been willing to move Abreu around more than Presley. I don't think they'll do it when it comes to the saves, though. Uh, 3039, cash or trash. If Texans lose Slowick, Stroud will have a sophomore slump. That's Dusty in Mount Bellevue. I'm not going to say a slump. Look, there's a lot of factors that are going to go into what happens next year. But I I just feel like it's going to be an adjustment. I think it's going to be more significant than people want to realize. But I think it's going to be an adjustment that's going to kind of, I don't want to say set him back, but I think early on there's going to, it's going to take some extra work. But CJ's just too good to have a slump, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah I would trash it. I, I think 
maybe you could see a slight dip in numbers, but nothing that we would consider like an actual slump to where we would have the conversation. Oh, CJ's really taking a step back this year. I think CJ's too good. Nico and Tank are too good. And I trust Casario to build pieces around him that any sort of slump that you would see from Sloke is going to be minimized. Slump's too strong of a word. I would say if there is a slippage, though, it's more because of the schedule than who the offensive coordinator is. 409, Josh, cash or trash. The Texans should draft another tank prototype to build depth at his position since explosive underside receivers may break down easier. Sure, I yeah. cash that. I, 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 yeah, insurance clones, policy. Absolutely. Insurance policy, sure, but I don't want the I don't want the same size and body type as but body type as tank. I think I that mean, so would you be against them drafting, say, Xavier Worthy in the second round? Nope. No. No. Because that's similar body type. Yeah. But it's like, like, Jeremy and I talked about this before the draft, too. I think, like, a Zay Flowers is a little more physical than Tank. Like, if you can get more of a Tyreek Hill body type of a Tank. I think he's more physical. I think he's just bigger. I think he's bigger I think he's big. Well, that, that's more physical to me. Is bigger and stronger. Yeah. But uh, tank again. Is, tank is willing to be physical. Like, well, we, to his, and we don't want him doing that as much as possible. I know. Yeah, I let's draft Xavier Worthy and let him block inside the box. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've no, talked I'm, about I'm, depth I'm, overall. They need a lot of that. So, yeah, depth is great. Just the body type would matter to me. To me, I just I want talent. Uh, give me talent over anything else. And the more talent you have, the better you are whenever there are injuries. Uh, all right, that does it for Cash and Trash. Thanks for playing along. It's mock draft season. We like to have a little bit of fun with our mock drafts, though. We'll take a look to see what some of the famous mockers are projecting for the Texans, but then we'll put our little spin on it on who we would take with those players around that area. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Hey, before we go to the break, tell you about my good friend Doc Linville. Doc Linville is taking care of people in Houston all the time. He does plastic surgery. He's got spa treatments. He's got Botox. But for the guys out there that are losing their hair, he's got a game changer called the Neograft Procedure. The Neograft Procedure is literally taking your hair from places that you're never going to lose it. And genetically, he told me you're never going to lose the hair on the sides and the back of your head. He takes some of that and repurposes it to where you need it most, where maybe you have some pattern baldness or some thinning. Maybe it's up front in the hairline. Maybe it's on top and back. It doesn't matter where it is. He's going to be able to fix it and solve the problem, not the sprays and the creams and foams that mask it, actually fixing the problem because he takes that hair that's never going anywhere and make sure it's not going anywhere, but he puts it where you need it most. It's a game changer. And the other game changer is he'll meet with you and tell you all about it for absolutely free. It normally costs 150 bucks, But because you listen to us, you get to meet with him for free. All you got to do is go to 975hair.com. Set up an appointment. Go in, ask questions, get answers, and see if the procedure is right for you. It was right for me, and I can't stop telling people about how great it is because of how much hair I got back. You can check him out today because now through the end of the month, he's going with a, a, a substantial reduction in his follicle price down to 350 a follicle. That is a game changer for you because he said he's not trying to break the bank and make a whole bunch of money. He's trying to get more people in Houston to realize this stuff, this procedure actually works and you will be pleased about it. So check him out today and tell him I sent you by because I love Doc and I love the work that they do. Check out the Neograph procedure at 975hair.com. Broadcasting live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, deep inside the secret bee cave, it's Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. He's Blank, I'm Branham. It's mock draft season. Well, as soon as the season's over, actually last year we were doing mock drafts before the Texan season was even over. Uh, but there's a lot to be excited for 
when you're looking about how to add to this football team. Last year we would take a look at the the mock and then we would take the next two players and we would pick who we would pick. Uh, Mel Kuyper came out with his first one today, Blankers. We're not going to go through all these picks. Uh, Top three, though, he had Caleb Williams going number one to Chicago. Uh, He had Jaden Daniels, LSU quarterback at two, jumping Drake May at number three. That was was interesting. Very much an eye-opener. That and the fact that almost every mock draft I've seen so far has almost the top five identical. Except for, you mean like in different orders? Yeah. Yeah, this, one, yeah. I, this is as high as I've seen Bowers. I haven't seen Bowers at number five. Three quarterbacks in a row, and then I saw yeah. multiples with Bowers in the top five and uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah. I mean, I think those will be your first. I guess Daniels is going to be a top four I pick. I can't see it, man. And I also think <laughs> Bowers might slide a little. Yeah, five might be too high on Bowers. But, like, I'm talking about your first four. Like, Drake May, Caleb Williams, Marvin Harrison, they're guaranteed to be three of your first four picks. Agreed. Who like is is Daniels in the top four? Eh, that's debatable. Does Bowers? I don't think Bowers is top four. Maybe top five. Uh, does Neighbors like just impress everybody? Maybe. Does somebody need a tackle and go Joe Alt? Maybe. Uh, but what's interesting about Kuipers is the first defensive player that comes off the boards number eight, Dallas Turner uh, going to Atlanta. Alabama. So like seven straight offensive players. Uh, so pretty interesting there. But he has the Houston Texans taking Jerzon Newton, a defensive tackle from Illinois. So draft happens after most of free agency happens. Uh, the Texans would have a pretty good idea what they've done with Rankins, what they've done with Collins. You know, Ridgeway coming off an injury. I don't know if he's like a likely option at all uh, for the Texans. But what do you think of the idea of adding a defensive tackle, Jerzon Newton, who, I mean, you never know how these players are going to turn out. But he says that he's really good as an interior pass rusher, showing off combination of strength and natural talent blah 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 what do you what would you uh make of or would you be okay with uh, the texans taking a defensive tackle at number 23 i mean there's multiples right there's the two there's sweat the two kids from texas overall and you've got the kid from illinois at defense i just don't know if i'd go d tackle in the first round i think that there are guys that you can get and yes if you want the long term solution whether you pay or don't pay Rankins and or Collins and the guys that you've relied on that are veterans in the past sure there's i i like the fact that you're going to start to think long term and draft a couple of defensive linemen i just wouldn't take them in the first round and if i did i think that you know the two kids at Texas are more impressive than the kid at Illinois yeah, I have no problem with taking a defensive tackle at number 23. Um, I think that the Texans are in position to go best player available because they're picking at 23. I don't think that they're being forced into drafting anything. Now, a lot of this is how free agency goes because if you were to sign Rankins and Collins and you know you bring them both back, you know the need of a defensive tackle is not as high. So I, I'm totally fine with defensive tackle at number 23. Now, let's look at 23, 24, and 25 and then put our, sho- our yep. feet in Nick Casario's shoes and then make the call on what we would do. So you're on the clock. You have to pick between Newton, defensive tackle, Illinois, Jordan Montgomery, offensive tackle, Arizona, and Kingsley Suamatatia, the offensive tackle from BYU. Well, I guess we can't go backwards because I was going to say there's two two other offensive linemen I like better. But, man... I hate for you. I can hear it in your voice. It is because I know that they already have spent so much, you know, so many assets and so many dollars with offensive line. But we talked about this yesterday that I don't mind the the opportunity to think that direction. But 
I think they got too much already on the offensive line. I'll stick with the defensive tackle. I'll, I'll stay with the defensive tackle and think defense in the draft with D'Amico instead of instead of going with a, yet another offensive tackle or an, a, in an offensive guard. That's it's, that's where I'm at. Like I don't mind an offensive guard. Like if one of these guys was a guard, then we're having a much different conversation because now I think you have something to decide on. I don't I don't mind guard. Uh, if if drafting a, a guard or a center means that you're improving your rushing game center next year, for sure. I'm all in. Yeah, I mean, I, I look at guard and center as kind of interchangeable because if you're drafting a guard, you're probably moving juice to center. Right. So it's kind of the same thing. It's kind of the same thought process. But I, I just can't draft a tackle. Like this texture, 713-780-3776-0838, best player, position of need, period. I, I, I agree – uh, I don't necessarily need it to be in a position of need other than quarterback. Like if I'm adding, if I think that the best player at number 23 is what, what is a position they already have locked up like defensive end, then like, yeah, give me a defensive end. I don't need it, but it's a luxury. And if it's the best player on your board by a mile, give me that. So I agree to an extent, but here, if I'm, if I'm picking between like, I'm assuming 23, 24, 25 are all near the conversation of BPA on what your draft board looks like uh, when you're on the clock. I have Titus Howard. I have Laramie Tunsil. I have zero interest in playing Titus Howard at left guard. So I'm not drafting an offensive tackle. I just right. can't do it. So I have to. I have to keep my pick with uh, Jerzon Newton uh, over Jordan uh, or over Jordan Morgan and over Kingsley Suamatatia. Yeah, no, that that's my way of thinking of it, of it too. Like we talked about yesterday, if you can get a center, go get a center because now you've got versatility. Because if he gets hurt, then you can actually slide Juice over. But Juice played really well when you pl- plugged him in later in late late in the season, and he looks like he's going to get better and better. So you've got another option. I. I really firmly believe that, and hopefully he believes too, that this is a make or break for Kenyon Green, and Kenyon Green's going to come out and show everybody why he was taken in the first round. But I, I, I think the bigger issue is, because I don't think, and to your point, I don't think that it, it could be a position of luxury with defensive end if Grenard goes. Sure, th- then you point. really got to consider it more, more wholeheartedly because it's a position of need suddenly, depending on what you do with your money free agency-wise. But I, I really believe for the long term, you need a young defensive tackle. Like, we went 23, 24, 25. If you went one more and you threw Chop Robinson into the discussion, like, now it might depend on what you did with Grenard. Like, if you if you have Grenard coming back, whether it's an extension or a franchise tag, then you're probably going defensive tackle. But if you let Grenard go and your decisions Chop Robinson, defensive end at Penn State, versus Jerzon Newton, defensive tackle at Illinois, you're probably going defensive end there. Right. Right. If they're similar, if they're similar on your board. Right, because then you figure you, chop, then you're picking Newton. Because you figure you don't have to break the bank to bring back Collins and Rankins at that position. And yet, if you have to go out in free agency and sign a, an edge rusher that really is going to make a difference, you're probably going to go in, in a much higher direction financially. So if you can get you know, someone in the draft that, that proves that they can really rush the passer on the other side of Will Anderson and you know Grenard's leaving, then you definitely have to explore that possibility and then you just bring back Collins and Rankins. Rockets are one game past the halfway mark. Who who has this team told you that they are? What is your midseason grade for the Rockets? 713-780-3776. Killer Breeze, ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. Hey, before we go to the break, tell you about the good people at Allstate Siding and Windows. Look, Allstate Siding and Windows protects your most unbelievably important investment. And for most of us, our biggest investment is our house. And when you have a house and you want to protect it, it starts from the outside as well as everything on the inside. In making that hard shell on the outside, 
inside that from a weather perspective protects you against all the elements. It keeps the air conditioning cool and in the house in the summer. It keeps the heat in the winter. And no matter what, it keeps you protected during hurricane season. The siding is unbelievable because if you're remodeling, there's no more painting. There's no more staining and repairing your home because the siding comes and does all of that as like that hardcore shell. I mean, there's a huge selection of colors and quality products, but the bottom line is it gives you that exterior protection that you need, and it's energy efficient too. Saves on your electricity bills. Going to do everything that you need it to do and so much more. And if you pair it with the windows, now you've got a double whammy of unbelievable protection for your house. And the best people to do it are the people at Allstate because Allstate Siding and Windows, they've been in the business for almost 50 years. It's family-owned and operated. Mary still kind of is at the mothership, and Mike is out there telling you exactly how they can help. They're experts in their field, and they are willing to help you as Houstonians because they love our listeners. They are dedicated to Houston sports teams, and they're dedicated to you, too. Call them today and see how they can help. 832-204-1936. 832-204-1936. Or check out the website, allstatewindowsandsiding.com.